everybody has a story. Even the most ordinary, even the most run-of-the-mill human being, they are there where they are for a reason. And I have a heart for helping bring out the best in others. I have a heart for helping them become and do more than they ever thought possible. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we have a wonderful guest today. Andy Janning is a nationally recognized expert in talent development with over 25 years of leadership experience. He's an eight-time state and national award winner for overall excellence in employee development a former financial services executive who helped his organization grow by $700 million, a professional photographer and award-winning filmmaker whose work has been featured in National Geographic, a trusted consultant who helps his partners develop effective leaders, and a popular speaker at conferences and events around the country. Inspired by the most popular storytelling formula of all time, his book, Heroes, Villains, and Drunk Old Men, A Love Story for Real Life, will teach you how to be a hero to those you love and serve, introduce you to a group of formerly drunk old men who have mastered these skills in heartbreaking and inspirational ways, and point you towards the greatest hero who has ever lived. Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Richard. It's a huge pleasure and an honor to be with you today. Oh, that is so appreciated. And I am really excited to talk to you today. And no doubt, we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about your fantastic book, Heroes, Villains, and Drunk Old Men. But before we get there, I want to talk about what got you to that point. You know, what was the journey upon which you decided to write that book, and what were the things that influenced you? Well, I owe most of it to my wife. And if she was here right now, she would be turning very red with embarrassment. But uh, this project really has been you know, one of those labors of love that authors talk about. And it really would not have seen the light of day without my wife. But I'm really, I'm really probably the most accidental of entrepreneurs. Uh, I have owned my own speaking, uh, consulting, and photography and writing business for almost six years now. and But that was not how I started off. I have lived uh, most of my professional life, well over two decades, and I'm not going to, I'll just uh, kind of keep it there just because I want to seem like I was started the workforce when I was seven. Uh, I was, I've been working quite a long time in corporate America, largely in the areas of talent development and employee development. And I've been doing a lot of that work in the financial services world and have had the opportunity to speak at a number of different conferences and events and serve as a keynoter for all employee events and national events. And those have been, those have been great. And a lot of that was in talking about the, some of the, the basic and more advanced nuances of talent development. 
but really my heart was, was bent toward story. My heart was bent toward really looking at the individual's journey, the individual who I was working with, seeing where they've come from, seeing what they want, and then seeing where they're going to go. So as my career started to evolve, I started to blend my passion for talent development for my passion for stories, and in particular, movie making and visual storytelling. So over the past literally 10 years, I've been trying to mash those seemingly very disparate forces up in, and create a, a model of talent development and helping people live out their best story and serve others in a way that is both heroic and you know, fills out the best parts of servant leadership. So I've been trying to do that for many, many years. And when I started my company here about six years ago, uh, the, really the emphasis was on largely was on talent development, but then incorporating more of the visual storytelling, photography, filmmaking, and all of that. And really, it really made me appreciate the old cliche of everybody has a story. Even the most ordinary, even the most run-of-the-mill human being, they are there where they are for a reason. And I have a heart for helping bring out the best in others. I have a heart for helping them become and do more than they ever thought possible. So in the role that I have now in you know, being the, the head of my, of my own company, uh, I've been able to work with uh, n- just countless people across the country and helping them tell their best story. And this book, Heroes, Villains, and Drunk Old Men, really grew out of my passion for talent development, grew out of my servant leadership background, grew out of my work as an executive and my work in behavior sciences, and really hopefully is a compelling narrative to help people know that their story has been placed in their been placed in their way and they've been put on this earth for a very specific reason. And it's to do better things that they could have ever imagined. And if I can help them get across that finish line and bring other people along with them, then I would think I will have checked off a very large uh, part of my to-do list in life. Outstanding. And Andy, talk to us about, you know, you've talked about what prompted you to write the book and how your passion for talent development and, and bringing out stories really inspired you to write this. So when, when somebody listening to this show picks up this book, uh, what are they going to get out of the book? <laughs> well, I, uh, I hope they will. I hope they will certainly enjoy it. Uh, it what they're going to get out of it, I hope, is not your typical nonfiction, uh, narrative nonfiction book. Uh, I've read I, I probably hundreds, if not thousands, of nonfiction books over the years that are dedicated and aimed at primarily working adults that are trying to you know, be as effective as they can in the workplace, and which is, is amazing. And that is primarily who my audience is, is for. But what they're going to see with this, though, is are some nuances. Uh, they're going to see some differences. First of all, there is a narrative thread that runs throughout this entire book that there is a, certainly a beginning, middle, and end to it. And it's not a, you know, a kind of a semi-random cobbled together collection of bits and pieces of things that, you know, that they can try to apply. All of these things are of a piece. All of these things fit together. And so in some ways, it's a bit autobiographical. And, but what they're also going to see are, is really my heart, again, for visual storytelling and using photography, and using stories of real people who have really lived this stuff out. See, even though my name's on the cover, I'm not trying to be the star of this particular story. I am blessed to know an amazing number of everyday heroes who have lived these things out, and they are, they are the people I want to lift up. 
So it's going to be real stories of real people told in a very intimate and told in a very, hopefully a very significant way. And in some ways, very funny way, and sometimes a very powerful and poignant way to help real people see that, hey, this isn't just theory. This, is, this isn't just stuff that's been you know, kind of road tested in the climate controlled environment of a corporate training room. This has been taken out into the real world. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's put on work gloves and work shoes and gone out there and done the really hard effort to apply this. And none of this is perfect. None of the people I'm going to highlight are perfect. None of them will ever tell you that they've got it nailed, that they've got it right. This book is designed to show people with their scars and blemishes. And it's designed to help people really kind of take inventory of their own scars and blemishes and appreciate where they came from and have a better sense of where it's aiming them. If this book helps them tell the best story that they can, then that's what I want them to find by the end of it and to honor the people that helped make me and get me to where I am today. I love that, Andy. And I know, as you said, the book is is tried and true and applied into real-world settings. Mm -hmm. But I also know the book uses a number of examples from movies and television, which, of course, are not real. So how do these make-believe stories and characters help the real people who are going to get their hands on this book? And give us a good example, if you would. So when we think of, you know, that was really one of the ways that the book really evolved. Uh, This book evolved from a very uh, early manuscript that was really devoted to the training techniques of of trainers on the big screen, of mentors that you see in movies like, you know, Yoda and Obi-Wan and, you know, different, you know, name any hero movie out there and insert any trainer figure out there. That was trying to kind of take those things together and put all those ideas into a book. But a friend of mine said, you really need to ground this in reality and really make this about real people. So I start with movies and TV because it is a common entry point into a topic of conversation that I think for most of us is very important. How do we become not just better, but how do we live a life of significance and legacy? How do we leave the world better for the people around us? And we go to movies and we watch TV, yes, in some ways to be entertained, but in some ways also to see parts of ourselves that we want to, that we gravitate toward the characters that bring out things in us that we want more of. And yes, there are obviously limitations and there are, you know, certainly differences there. Not everybody can wield a lightsaber or, or a, or or a, uh, you know, sword or whatever else, although that would be awesome. We can't really, (laughs) we, we really, we really can't do that. But I think the essences of that that whole journey, then we go to the movies and we see these larger-than-life figures. The, the journey that they're on, it's called the hero's journey. And it's a tried-and-true storytelling method that's literally been around for 4,000 years. This is the template upon which authors around the world have forged stories of the people that we want to be. And I believe that that template, that's that pattern of how we become more than who we thought, that's been imprinted on us. I think that's something that we are, if not born with, then we automatically gravitate toward. So these, the, when I take these make-believe characters and when I say, look, here's some ideas that, let me bring it down to reality. Let me introduce you to a guy named Brian, who was in the chapter that's called Dead Man Running, uh, was literally fighting for his life and had really done everything to destroy it. He was literally the villain in his own life because he had become very selfish and self-centered and had 
truly gone down the very dark roads that addiction will take you down. And, you know, addiction, adultery, the whole nine yards. He is not the hero of the story, though. The hero of the story is his wife, Shayla. Shayla, who, when she found out about Brian's addiction, when she found out about Brian's adultery, she didn't leave him. She didn't kick him to the curb, as they say. She stuck by him. She saw the, the good that was in him. And she, she went beyond all of the junk and the dirt and the pain and dedicated herself to loving the person that he wanted to be, not the very flawed human being that was in front of her. That's everyday heroism. When you put aside the hurt and when you try to see the good in someone else, that's the, that's the most noble elements of the stories that we see on the screen. Those are the most noble elements of the lives that we lead. And when I can see people, when they see Brian and Shayla's story, who have used their story and their testimony to create a life-changing ministry that has helped their clients and their family and each other, when I see that happen, I can't help but tell other people about that. Because that's how you become the hero, by not trying to be the main character. You're trying to serve other people and make them better, not to create a monument for yourself. I love that. And I'm so glad that you mentioned the archetype of the hero's journey. Certainly in modern times, I believe Joseph Campbell is the one who has probably preached on this the most or or rather um, written about this the most. But yes, you know, you mentioned Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi and, uh, you know, Star Wars is certainly on everybody's brain right now. Mm -hmm. So it's reasonable. But um, everybody goes on this journey. Every one of us goes on this journey. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, I, what I would like is if you would take the audience, take us through the different steps of the hero's journey. So the hero's journey is basically, basically the plot of every single movie you've ever seen ever. Uh, you know, again, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Uh, the book actually opens with me seeing my first movie, which was the original Star Wars, in the, in the drive through in May of 1977. And like you said, Joseph Campbell, he was really the one that kind of coined the term hero's journey in his book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces from 1949. It's called one of the most influential works of nonfiction ever published because it describes this journey that we all want to be on. This journey that starts off with a hero who doesn't know he's a hero and just kind of hanging out doing his own thing in obscurity. And he knows he wants a better life and he knows he has maybe some gifts and talents, but he doesn't know how to apply them. He doesn't know where to go. That's stage one. The next stage, though, is when a mentor comes along. Someone comes up to the hero and says, hey, you've got a gift. You've got talent. I can help you bring those things out because I have a world that needs your gifts. Can you come help me and I will help make you better? And the hero and the mentor then forge this relationship. Sometimes it's hand and glove. Sometimes it's fist to fist. Sometimes it's very contentious. Sometimes it's very affable. Either one. This, there's always a section of the hero's journey. Then kind of the middle part of it is when the mentor is training the hero. And like if one of my favorite movies are, are the Rocky movies. And every single Rocky movie you've ever seen has a training montage of seeing the hero being under the tutelage of a mentor and getting broken down and getting messing up and creating bloopers and all these other things. And there always comes a point where the mentor or where the, where the hero thinks this is, this is stupid. I, I don't, I'm tired of messing up. I'm tired of feeling like a failure, but the mentor helps him put everything together. And then there's a point where the hero has achieved a level of mastery where he's ready to fight 
the villains and fight the other challenges that are facing the world, that are really threatening the existence of, of the entire world or some piece that's significant to him. And there comes a point when the hero literally or figuratively crosses swords with a villain. When they're going after it, it could be verbally, it could be physically. And there comes a point where the hero's doing his best, but the villain gets the upper hand. And it looks like the villain's going to win. But then there's this point where the hero looks defeated, but then the hero puts everything together. When he puts, he applies everything that he's learned with everything that he is, with all his natural talents, plus the ones that he's learned, and comes back and is victorious over the villain. And in many times helps redeem the villain because the hero doesn't want, doesn't want to dominate. He wants to redeem. That's what heroes do. But then, but that's not the end of the journey though. The hero then he wins awards, he wins a boon, he wins a blessing, but he's not keeping them those for himself. He wants to pass them on. He wants to take some credit, certainly, but he also wants to share that with other people. And he wants to pass along to his loved ones and help them and help them live a better life. And then he realizes that, hey, there are other worlds beyond this one that I want to keep moving on in my journey. I'm not done yet. This is only just beginning. That's really, that's really the sequence of what the hero's journey looks like. And that's the journey that we all are on in work. We started off in obscurity. Someone found us and said, hey, you've got a gift. You want to join our payroll? We say, sure. We get trained. We get mentored. We have bad days. We have good days. But then we put it all together and we serve others and we help them. It doesn't matter if you're you know, in a tower or in a trench. It doesn't matter where you are. We all go through that journey where it looks like you know, we've been trained and there can be days where we get our butts handed to us, but then we put it together and we help others. And we bring, we bring back a blessing that helps us and makes us feel good about ourselves, but also puts food on our table, clothes on the, on the backs of the loved ones that we, of people that we serve, and a roof over their heads, and blesses the world around us. That's why we love story, because we're living it out every day. We want to be the hero, and we want to see stories of people that have actually done it. And if we can follow in their footsteps and create real life, real, real amazing stories right now, that's really attractive to a lot of people. And that's exactly what you've done in your book, which is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I want to I wanna shift gears a little bit. Uh, let's talk for a moment about some of the techniques in the book that you've used over your career. And, and these specific techniques, I know because of your corporate background, because of the unique things that you've done along the way, talk to us about the results you've seen from employing these in your life directly. Well, I've been privileged to help a number of organizations uh, really around the country, um, help them grow assets. The credit union that I used to work for, we grew about $700 million in assets uh, through, uh, and, you know, through it, the talent development programs that I helped put together along with a team of a, you know, an incredible amount of people. Um, I've helped other organizations, again, grow their assets, help build relationships with their members and with their customers. Some of the most satisfying stories, though, you can't put them on a balance sheet. I've literally seen marriages transformed. I've literally seen um, prodigals, prodigal sons and daughters become found. I've seen relationships that should have been dead become alive. I've seen teams of people who couldn't stand to be in the same room with one another really realize that they have much more in common than what separates them. I've helped some very dear friends start businesses that have now have in turn employed other people and helped bless their world. And I've seen different, uh, different, you know, different friends of mine, they take the leap into entrepreneurship 
and they've gone on and they've helped pursued their dreams. So I have tangible real world impact. I mean, literally hundreds of millions of dollars on the bottom line through techniques that I'm going to say this right now. It's not because all this stuff, this stuff didn't happen because I think I'm all that in a box of Twinkies. That's not what this is. These are just truths that I think we all have realized. And I think we all want and just trying to follow in some ways our instincts, but follow what brings out the best in us and also being willing to roll my sleeves up and get in some people's faces a little bit and say, hey, I need to break you down to make you better. And I need people in my own life helping me do that as well. Because that process takes something out of you. That process to help bring out the best in others should take something essential out of you. If it doesn't, then you're not doing it right. But it puts, but in place of that, that essence, it puts something far more rich in its place. So you can have now the energy to go out and do it for other people. It's those individual stories and those collective corporate achievements that for me is one of the big reasons why I do what I do. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. And it's interesting talking about corporate achievements. You had an extraordinarily stable, awesome corporate job, and you decided to to walk away from that and do your own thing. So what what really prompted you to do that? Uh, again, that was uh, I, I I thoroughly blame my wife. So I need to kind of <laughs> I, I, I need to, I need to resolve the tension of of kind of the thread that I introduced there with writing the book. You know, when it comes to when, when I do this, what prompted me to, to run out and do this was was my wife. She has been my biggest cheerleader. She's been my biggest encouragement. And she was the one to really say, hey, you know, you're getting more and more of these requests to speak and, and you know, go out across the country and, and do this and help tell these stories and work with organizations. But, you know, I was scared. And, I, and there was that fear of, okay, I'm now giving up a stable paycheck and all those, you know, those stable benefits, you know, for the incredibly stable world of independent consulting, uh, where you constantly feel unemployed and you're always feel like you're looking for a job. But she was the one that said, you know what, I go where you go. And I know that you will be amazing at this. And I know that this will evolve as you evolve. Uh, what prompted me to do this was also the blessing of my former organization, uh, Forum Credit Union in Indianapolis. They were incredibly supportive of letting me kind of, you know, spread my wings and try and test some things out and really try some things at their organization that I don't know if anyone else would have let me do it. But they were, they really helped me achieve this dream of being able to speak and to work with others and to, Again, not try to be the superstar on the stage. I mean, that is that that's not that's not my goal. I want to be able to get up there. If I if I I, when I'm blessed to take that position on platform, I want to introduce people to my friends. I want to show them my heroes because those are the people 
that show that this is all possible. And it starts with uh, the woman who's been my best friend for almost 20 years. Uh, she was the one that got me here. And she was the one that I will always do this for first and foremost. And she's the one that brings the best out of me. I love that. And it's uh, to, to pull it back to Joseph Campbell, it sounds like your wife was the mentor in your hero's journey. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and one of the, you know, the really interesting thing with mentors is that they will uh, literally lay down their life uh, in many ways for their hero. They will, in many ways, step in, step in the path of the bullet, uh, step in, you know, will put themselves in harm's way to show the hero that you are worth it. You see it in the movie Titanic. Jack, who is the mentor figure, uh, pulls Rose off of the back of the, of the Titanic when she's looking to jump. One of my other favorite movies, The Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi, literally puts himself in harm's way between Daniel, the hero, and the villains, quote-unquote, in skeleton costumes, and wipes the floor with them. Because that's what you do when you're a janitor. You just have these, you know, these random kung fu skills. But it's that nobility that the mentor brings to the journey. That mentors are, I think, incredibly powerful elements of a hero's story. No hero can do what they do without a mentor. And mentors, all they are, are really just heroes who have create, who have finished the main part of their journey, and now they realize that their next and and then best part of what they're doing next is to cre- is to create more heroes. That's what mentors do. And again, they will deal with the slings and arrows. They will put up with the crap. They will deal with the, with the times when the hero doesn't feel like it because the mentor sees something that the hero can't. And I think that's incredibly noble and incredibly powerful. And it does start at home, but it certainly lives out in corporate America in all corners of it. No, very, very well said. And one of the things, of course, heroes, we've been definitely on this this episode and that's Mm -hmm. been the theme but there are questions for every hero Mm -hmm. that you've identified share share those questions with us so the eight questions for every hero this is a main part of the book but it's also a a companion workbook that i that i created at the time that i released heroes and villains all this is is helping is helping us as you go through this journey of transformation it helps you remember what you where you're going you know, given obviously your background in behavior sciences, I'm sure your, your audience, I think, has probably a bent toward that. I'm fascinated by how people remember and how they forget. And one of the most powerful phenomena is the Zygarnik effect, is this the sense that we have a better memory for uncompleted tasks versus completed ones. And it's this, it kind of raises its head, I think, when, you know, at the end of the year, we look back and go, man, this year went really fast. What did I really accomplish? Oh my gosh, what, you know, what did I really do? And sometimes we'll have some highlights or some things on the wall or some trophies or tchotchkes that will remind us. But in more, most of our life we go through, and we don't remember it. I mean, I'm sure every single one of your listeners can identify with the fact that there are some days where they either show up in the parking lot or their driveway and they don't remember how they got there. Not because they were dealing with some sort of you know, chemical imbalance or influence, but because they've just made it. They've done this habit over and over again. What the eight questions are designed to do is to short-circuit our habit and our pattern to forget. And, it, and it's designed to help us see the nuances and the richness of our story. It starts off with asking, what is it you really want? In this particular phase of your life, what is it that you want to accomplish? The second is, who is going to be your mentor? Who are you going to ask into this journey to help break you down and make you better. How are you going to fail is question three. How are you going to screw up? Then how are you going to succeed? What are you going to, 
What are you going to celebrate? Because those failures are instructive. We're inspired by perfection, but we, but we connect through brokenness. And we, we, that's where our journey in many ways gets forward. Failure is a, is a great teacher, but success is a great wind in our sails. And I want to capture both of those. And then asking them, what are you going to fight for and against? What are you fighting? What is it that you're willing to stake your claim on? But also, do you have a, do you have a good understanding of what opposes you? You have to know what you're going to stand for. And you also have to know who's going to try and knock you off of that to really understand the elements and the challenges that to face you. The sixth question is, what will victory look like? How are you going to know that you've won? What will success look like is another way to say that. If you, as long as you know what that trophy looks like, then you're going to chase the right one for the right reasons because you know what you want. The seventh and eighth questions, though, are, I think are the ones that we don't ask enough of. The seventh one is, what are you going to give away? What is it of what you've won, either in terms of time, talent, or treasure? What are you going to give away to other people? How are you going to pass this forward? Then finally, where are you going to go next? Where is this journey going to be? It could be you could be staying in the same job. It could be, hey, I transitioned to something different. Where are you going to go? Where is your journey going to take you? And who are you going to bring along with you? Taken together, those eight questions are designed to help people live a really examined and a well-told story of their life, not just for their own purposes, though, but it is for to, to pass it along to other people and to say, hey, this is what I did. Not because I want you to worship or honor me, but I want you to take, take encouragement from where I've been to help you avoid some of the potholes and pitfalls that may await you in a similar journey. And this isn't just a one-off. They can do this at any phase of their life. I found that these questions, when used in you know, in one-on-one and in group settings, really help people uh, cross the right finish line for the right reasons. It's amazing. And, and certainly, it sounds like not only can they be used in a group setting or a corporate setting, they could be used in relationships as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they're, they're, they're supposed to be there. None of this stuff happens in a vacuum. And trust me, I know that because I've tried. I've tried the whole lone wolf thing, and it doesn't work. And I think we all... I think we all um, understand that, but I don't think, and I'm speaking of me specifically, I don't always follow that. I didn't write this book because, again, I have this all licked. I know that there are areas, even in my life right now, that I struggle with some of these things. But these are kind of that bright point in space that I can always keep coming back to. And if I can bring other people along there with me, so much the better. Beautiful. And I also know that your book, and I appreciate this in your book, your book is positioned as a tool to help fight burnout, yes. which so many of us go through. Mm-hmm. So t- talk to us about that. You know, it's, it's interesting. Burnout for me has been, it's, it's kind of like Fight Club. If you're familiar with the movie Fight Club, uh, rule number one of Fight Club, Dr. Richard, do you know what it is? Nobody talks about Fight Club. Exactly. You don't, you don't talk about Fight Club. But it's one of those things that we don't think we can openly talk about, especially in corporate environments, because we think it'll make us look weak. We think it'll make us look less than. Oh, he's oh, there's there's fragile Andy over there, and don't talk to him because he's burned out. Here's the issue, though: the Society for Human Resources Management uh, put out uh, a little over a year ago, middle 2016. They put out statistics and the effect of stress in the workplace and. There's some amazing and very sobering statistics out there, but some of the dollar figures that, that come with burnout are, are very sobering. One of them is $300 billion. 
That is the amount employers will spend every year for healthcare and missed work days as a result of, of workplace stress in their employees. They're going to spend another $150 billion in lost productivity from employees that show up to work but aren't really mentally there. You know, we could, and when you talk about the single biggest expense in company sponsored health plans, it's related to employee stress and it's related to burnout. And burnout for me, it's not just this one thing. It's not just this temporary feeling of tiredness. Burnout's a fairly complicated phenomenon that involves a sense of depersonalization. We stop seeing people as people. The second element is this sense of emotional exhaustion, this numbness.